you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Good morning, Compassion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, we are so glad to see you. Glad to have you at Compassion. Um, be in prayer for me today. I have not been feeling good. I was not going to, in fact, I was not going to be here today. Uh, I was at home in bed. Uh, I had already told David. I fact, early this morning, I sent David my sermon. I said, hey, I'm, not, I'm sick. I'm not going to make it today. Would you please just preach for me? I'm sure he was freaking out getting a sermon an hour before service is supposed to start at our other campus. Uh, but he was up to the task. But then my wife texts me later on and made me feel guilty. And <laughs> so I got dressed, jumped up, got dressed. and uh, I'm preaching here today. I've got Pastor David preaching at the other campus for us. So I'm just here at this campus today. But uh, just be a prayer for me today. I'm feeling some better, some better. And, uh, but I do want to say today how much I love my wife. Uh, happy Valentine's to my Valentine's. I love her very much. And y'all don't know, she's a wonderful wife, an amazing wife, all that she does, an amazing mother. Uh, she loves her kids. Her kids love her. And let me say this, she's also an amazing mother to this church. Uh, yes. Uh, we legitimately say this, some can't say this, but we co-pastor this church. It's me and my wife, and y'all do not know all she does behind the scenes and all that she does to make this church run. And uh, so I just want to say today to my lovely wife, my the, the mother of my children and my partner in this ministry, that I love her and I'm so proud of her for all that she does. Amen. Amen. Well, we continue our sermon series on OCD, uh, obsessive comparison disorder, a little different than what you thought. Uh, and this week, I, I want to talk to you. In fact, I won't spend a lot of time on the story. I want to jump straight into the sermon. But I want you to understand that it's something we all do. We all compare ourselves to others. It's just something it seems to be built inside of us that, you know, how we dress. You know, I'm, I'm always looking at myself and making sure I dress good. In fact, guys, my wife dresses me. If, I, if it wasn't for my wife, we'd be in trouble. I'll be up here with overalls and dress shoes, wearing black socks and a brown sock. But my wife dresses me. Most of us struggle with the fact of comparing ourselves to others. And today I want to talk to you some about a couple that were struggling with OCD. The story of three individuals that in their life, not knowing that two of them, a couple of them were having some issues of comparing themselves one to another and did not even know it. But the impact that it was having on their life, the impact that it was having on their thoughts, their future, and where they were going. See, that's what comparing yourself to others does. It robs you of joy and peace, power, and love. 
God did not design us to be like everybody else. God has made you unique in every way. And I know some of you, and you are unique. On the verge of being strange, but that's okay. That's how God has designed you. So this week we want to talk about, I want to read a passage just out of Genesis chapter 29. Begin with verse 16. And it says, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Now listen to this. Leah had weak eyes. You know, for years I never quite understood what weak eyes mean. Does that mean she didn't work them out? She don't lift weights with her eyelids? What does that mean? Leah had weak eyes, which in essence means she was not that pretty. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. And I pray today, Lord, that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. Let not one, not one, leave this house the same way that they came. But let them be blessed by your word and by your presence. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen and amen. Let me give you a little background on the story here. A man by the name of Jacob has tricked his brother, Esau. And, well, his brother's threatened, said, I, if I get my hands on you, I'm going to kill you. So Jacob's mother, who had favored Jacob, his father favored Esau, the Bible tells us that what happens is, is that his mother tells him to flee, so Jacob flees, and she said, go to your uncle's house. On his way there, he stops at a whale, and as he stops at this whale, what happens is, is he asks some of the, those that are there watering their animals, do you know Laban? Well, yes, we know Laban. In fact, that's his daughter coming right there. Now, as she begins to walk up, it's like love at first sight. Jacob's like, well, hello. I know what that's like. My wife did it for me. No, I'm just playing. I'll never forget when I first met my wife. A friend of mine, we're in college together, and he said, hey, I want you to meet this girl. I like her. She's pretty, and I really want you to meet her. So I went with her to the Bell Center. The Bell Center is where all the kids hung out at college. So I went to the Bell Center. About that time, we're standing there, and the girl he's talking about walks out. And as she walks out, I'm like, eh, she's all right. She wasn't my type. She, you know, I was about to say something I shouldn't say, so I'll keep it to my, my, myself. But... As she walks out, all of a sudden, then this other girl, her roommate, walks out behind her. And that was Laurie. When Laurie walked out, I'm like, well, hello. What's your name? Come on over. More, I was probably like. (laughs) Now, so I know what it's like to be love at first sight because as she walks in, I was in love. I thought she was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. You know, she just, I can still remember this day what she was wearing. She had on a jean skirt and it looked good. Good. So at that moment, I knew. So I, I can understand a little bit of how well Jacob's feeling. 
So what happens is he goes back. He, she introduces Jacob to her dad, her, uh, his uncle Laban, and, and they begin to talk. Well, he's going to stay there and work for his uncle, and his uncle says, well, what, what do you want in return for working for me? And he says, well, I want the hand of your daughter, Rachel. I love her, and I want her to be my wife. So what happens is, is he says, okay, I agree to that. You give me seven years of working, and you can have my daughter, Rachel. So what ends up happening is, is well, that night when uh, I guess we would call it a honeymoon, they would call it concentration, but what happened that, or consummation, what happens that night is, is I guess it was pretty dark, no street lights, no lights inside the tent, I don't know why, but that night what happens is, is Laban, instead of sending Rachel in, sends in Leah. It must have been really dark. Because Jacob has no idea, he wakes up the next morning, he looks over, and there's Leah. Well, as you can imagine, Jacob's not very happy. He had committed to working seven years for Rachel. But he wakes up in the morning, and there's Leah. Now, I pray and I hope that he didn't have a reaction like, whoa. You know, some of you back in your old days, when you're getting drunk and doing things you shouldn't be doing and you'd wake up the next morning, what was it, you went to bed with a 10 and woke up with a 2? Is how they said it. Isn't that terrible? I should have even said that. Because I never did that. Gabby, stop looking at Gabby's just like staring a hole through me. She's like. And that's probably how it felt. So he goes back to Laban and he says, how, did, hey, could, how could you do this to me? You tricked me, which is ironic because if you know anything about Jacob, his word, his name Jacob actually means trickster because Jacob had tricked his brother. In fact, coming out of the womb, Jacob actually grabbed the heel of his brother to try to pull him back in so he could come out and be the firstborn so he could do what? Get the blessing of the firstborn. So what happens is Jacob is told by Laban, Laban, that is our tradition here. The firstborn must be married first. He said, then what do I need to do to get Rachel? He said, give me another seven years. Laban ain't too stupid, is he now? So 14 years, Jacob's going to have to work for Laban, but he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't wait. He said, done deal, I'll take it. I want Rachel that bad. So now he's got his wife, Rachel, and his wife, Leah. Now remember, Leah's already struggling. Leah already knows that she's not as pretty as her sister, and she don't have a figure like her sister, that she's got weak eyes. She's probably already struggled with that with most of her life, but now she's in a marriage with a man that she knows doesn't love her, didn't want her, wanted her sister, and now she got to sit at the table with them as Jacob and Rachel are looking across the table, goo-goo-eyed. And Leah's sitting at the table going, great. I'm the third wheel. And we begin to see this OCD, obsessive comparison disorder beginning to get worse and worse and worse. Can you remember the first time you realized? I, I, I was watching 
as Wes was right here holding his grandbaby, uh, uh, we all clapped. She was looking at Laurie, and we all clapped, and she turned around and looked. It's like she didn't know we were there. Did y'all see that? She goes, do you remember the first time you started comparing yourself to someone else? Maybe it was a hairstyle. I couldn't quite get my hair like everybody else. I always had a widow's peak. You know, I, I, young, I knew I wouldn't have hair. And so I never could do my hair quite like. In fact, I, when I was in high school, I had to. Does anybody want to be called to the media department? Because we have an opening now. Don't I look kind of creepy? I look better without hair. I really do. I don't know. If y'all hadn't realized that, look at this. I look way better without hair. I look a little creepy. All right, take it down, you loser. Is it Avery? Avery, you ain't coming home. <laughs> I lost my thread chain of thought. I don't know where I was going but somewhere along the line, you remember that first time that you started comparing, you didn't have the clothes. Like when I was young, I had tennis shoes and growing up, I, was, I grew up in a pastor's home and we didn't have a lot of money. And, and, and if you're my age, anybody in their 50s in here, you know, around the 50 age, do you remember tennis shoes called Cougars? Does anybody remember those? Cougars were Nike knockoffs. In fact, Cougars had a, it was like a Nike symbol and turned upside down. They didn't even try to make cool. They just, they just literally like took the, the Nike symbol and turned it upside down pretty much is what it was. And that's what I wore. And I remember the first time it hit me that I was wearing shoes that others were not wearing and I was embarrassed. From that day on, I was probably about 11, 12 years old. From that day on, I wore it the rest of my life. My dad would buy me cougars. I would go and work so I could buy me nicer shoes because I wanted to look as good as everybody else. I remember my hair in high school. I had, if you're, if, you know, in the 80s, you were born in the 80s, it was the mullet time. Everybody remember the mullets? I had a mullet. They're back now. I'm going to grow one. That's it. Just a mullet right here. You know, it's your business in the front, and it's, and, and it's party in the back. Mine's just going to be party in the back and not a thing going on in the front. But I wanted a mullet. Here's the problem. The, the longer my hair gets, the, the more frizzy it gets. So anytime I had gym or something, and I had this, my hair was back down to here in the back, and guess what it would do? It would do this ducktail. So every morning for school, I would have to get, I'm embarrassed to even say this. I can't believe I'm sharing this. Every morning I'd have to get a straightener. I mean, a, a, one of those big round, uh, what do you call it? Brushes. I don't know what they are because I don't. Have, I don't use brushes anymore. Brush, and I would have to dry my hair and turn under my hair and dry it so it would stay under. Isn't that terrible? Because I wanted a mullet when mullets really just didn't fit well with me. Do you remember the time you started comparing? We all do. There was that moment where we started comparing ourselves to others. In this story, we see when the time gets worse. At the bottom of this chapter, in Genesis chapter 29, we begin to see as Leah is struggling and struggling with the fact that she's not like her sister. She's not her sister. She's not as pretty. She doesn't have the same figure. But she starts having children. 
And as she starts having children, we begin to see the struggle that has taken place. In fact, we first see in Genesis 29, verse 32, that she has her first son. It says, now this, Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Isn't that sad? Reuben, the name Reuben in the Greek literally means to see. To see. See, that's what comparison disorder is. In other words, we want everyone to see us in a good light. We want everyone to look on us and think that, that, that we've got it going on, that we're smarter or brighter or richer than we really are. What happened is, is Rachel and Leah were in this battle because Leah knew she was not as pretty as her sister, knew that she didn't have the figure as her sister, and she's doing everything she can to be seen. Look at me, Jacob. See me, Jacob. Love me, Jacob. See, that's really what's going on. We want to be loved by everybody. We want everybody to like us. And I know what you say, I don't care. Yes, you do. To some extent, we all care. In fact, usually the one who is saying it the loudest, I don't care what people think about me, is the one who cares the most. See, we find out from the Word of God, it's, it's not about what people, how people see us. In fact, write this down. Comparison convinces you that you're always being overlooked. Comparison convinces you that you're always being overlooked. But the thing is, you're not being overlooked by the most important one. It's not whether others are seeing you or what others are saying about you. What matters most is what God sees. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God sees you. God sees where you are. He knows what you're going through. He sees the pain you're feeling. He understands. Listen, God sees you. Yeah, but I want everybody else to see me. Why? Why do you care so much about what everybody else thinks? Because the person one moment that will pat you on the back is the person that five minutes later will stab you in that same back. The person that praises you to your face is the same person that will talk about you behind your back. But there's one that will love us despite who we are. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Everything that looks good ain't always good. I've seen some good-looking people that are messed up inside. We all know that person. We all know that person. We all know that guy, that gal that is good looking or pretty guy and it seems if they got it all going on. The problem is you know their background. You know their story. You know what they're going through. It doesn't matter how pretty their face is or what they're, who they are. What matters most is, is that their life is messed up. Isaiah 43, 4 says this. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. God, you're, listen, let me say that you're already precious in God's sight. He already loves you. He already loves you and will always love you and accept you. See, we are precious in God's sight. Why does God see us different? Why doesn't God see us like everybody else? Why doesn't God see me like my friends see me? Psalms 139 tells us, for you were created in my innermost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. In other words, you know why your God sees you different? Because your God made you. He knows what made you up. He knows what is inside of you. He knows who you can be. He knows your future. Why? Because he made it, he designed you, he created you, and he loves you. But that didn't work. Leah still didn't feel love. So the Bible tells us she has another son, and this son in verse 33 tells us she had a son named Simon. And the word Simon, if you look it up, it literally means to hear. To hear. She knows she's not being seen by her husband, that he's looking on the prettiness of Rachel. She said, well, maybe, just maybe, then my husband will hear me. That my words and what I say is important. You ever met that person that always tries to sound profound? We all know that guy. That, what is it, uh, Cliff from Cheers? Y'all remember the show? Everything he said was so profound. But the thing is, it really wasn't profound. See, she's saying now, maybe, just maybe, my husband will hear me. See, comparison concludes that you're not being heard. Comparison concludes that you're not being heard. See, that's the other lie that comparison tells you. Nobody's listening to you. Nobody cares what you say. Nobody cares what you've got to say. It doesn't matter. But see, can I tell you that every one of us sitting here today, God has put a word inside of us that someone needs to hear? Not everybody. I know what kind of pastor I am, and I, and I know what kind of, of church that God's called me to. God hasn't called me to every other church in America. He's called me to preach here in Wichita Falls in Texas. That's where God's called me. So you need to realize that you may not reach everybody, but God hasn't called you to reach everybody. God has called you to reach a select few, because only you and only you can reach those individuals. First John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The creator of the universe who spins the world upon his finger is the same God that is everything you say. Now, for some of you, that should scare you to death. Because God is hearing what you say. God is hearing the words coming out of your mouth, the, the threats, the cussing, the, 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 the put down, the bullying. God is hearing what you say. But also I want you to hear this, that when you cry out to God, he hears you every time. When you've got a need, he is attentive to your needs. When you're struggling and you cry out for help, he hears you. Not everybody's going to hear what you say. Matthew 21, 22 says this, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. In fact, can I tell you, God wants you to talk to him. God wants you to have a conversation with him. God wants you to have a discussion with him. God wants to hear you. But can I tell you this, not only does God want you to, not only does God want to hear you, God wants you to hear him. Because every time you talk, he talks. And every time you're listening, he's listening. But can I tell you that God has something to speak in your life, and if you don't listen, you're missing out. Proverbs 15, 29 says this, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. 
Psalms 34, 17 says this, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. See, not only does God hear you, but he meets your needs. Not only does God hear you in the moments of your troubles, but he will deliver you from your troubles. Isn't that great? But you've got to be willing to cry out to him and call upon his name. But again, it doesn't work. She wants Jacob to see him, but Jacob doesn't see her. She wants Jacob to hear her, but Jacob doesn't hear her. So she then has a third son. This time she names his son Levi. The, the word Levi in the Greek, it, it literally means to attach. To attach. In other words, what she's saying is, I want you, Jacob, to, to attach to me, to connect to me, to feel a bond that I'm not alone, that I'm not by myself, that I've got someone who loves me. Isn't that what it really is all about? We just don't want to be by ourselves. Loneliness is a powerful tool of the devil. See, the power of the power of feeling lonely is the idea that you are alone when you're never alone. You're never by yourself. I know Leah feels that way. She's sitting at the table. See, number three is comparison communicates that you're disconnected. Comparison, what does it do? It communicates that you're disconnected when the truth is is that you are never disconnected to God. He's always there. He says, I will never leave you, nor shall I forsake you. Lo, I am with thee always, even to the very ends of the age. See, we spend our life trying to win the approval of others that they will connect to us. Galatians chapter 1 says it this way, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, the Bible says if you're living a life trying to please others, you're not a servant of Christ. You cannot please others and then please God. I, listen, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've learned this one truth. I will not make everybody happy. And the moment that I try to make every church member happy is the moment that I'm in trouble as a pastor. Some of you get mad at me. Why? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Some of you get mad at me because I'm not going to tell you God's going to be your Santa Claus. Some of you get mad at me because I'm going to bring correction in your life when you're not living according to the Word of God. But see, it isn't my job to please you. It is my job to please my God. First Thessalonians 2 verse 4 says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people but God who tests our heart. Listen, stop trying to get approval of others. I'm that way. I was raised, anybody here raised in a pastor's home? Right there. I was raised in a pastor's home. There's just something that you always feel like you've got to get approval. You, 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 your mom or your dad never said it. My, my parents never said it out loud, but I knew deep down what they were thinking. Be careful what you do. I'm a pastor. So you're always trying to get the approval of others. When the problem is, it's a fallacy. You'll never get approval of everybody. And the only approval that I should be seeking is approval of God Almighty. 
Is God pleased with you? Is God pleased with what you do? Is God pleased with your lifestyle? Is he pleased with your words? John 15 says it best. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask. Do you see a common theme here? Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. But see, that still doesn't work. She feels like she's not seen, she's not heard, and she feels like she's not attached to anybody. So she has a fourth son, and this son she names Judah. The word Judah, if you look it up, actually means praise or to celebrate. See, it'll be this time that Ray or Leah finally says, I'm done. That's it. It doesn't matter if Jacob ever sees me. It doesn't matter if Jacob ever hears me. It even doesn't matter if Jacob is ever connected to me. See, Leah had a light bulb moment. At that moment, she realized it never was about Jacob. It never was about him seeing me or hearing me or even being connected to me. It was always about my God. I don't know why I'm in this marriage. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I wish, yes, I wish that he loved me as much as he loved Rachel. But at the end of the day, what matters most is not that he loves me, but that my God loves me. And I know that my God loves me. And if my God loves me, then that's all I will ever need. See, I believe that day she put Judah in her arms and began to stare at that little baby and said, what am I upset about? I've got these wonderful kids. I've got an amazing God. And that's all I'll ever need. See, some of you have spent most of your life trying to compare to others, look as good as them, be as smart as them, dress like them, drive vehicles like them. You spent most of your life trying to compare yourselves to others when God never designed you to be that way. The only thing that I compare myself to is the will and the plan and the purpose that God has for my life. In closing, here's the irony. As Leah is staring at Rachel, wishing she was as pretty, as beautiful, Rachel is looking at Leah because Rachel can't have children. And Rachel is saying, oh, I wish I could be like Leah and have children that I could give to my husband. And this time and in this tradition and this culture, children were everything. To be barren was shameful. To not be able to carry on your lineage, your line, was an embarrassment. And Rachel, this one who looked 
beautiful on the outside and pretty on the outside and struggling on the inside saying, I can't carry the lineage or the line any further. I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed that I'm not like my sister Leah. See, we all struggle with it. Just when you wish you had something someone else has, they're looking at your life saying, I wish you had, I had what you have. You're looking at that husband and wife on, on Instagram who's got the big, beautiful house and driving the big, beautiful cars and this and that. What you don't know is, is that husband never home because he's always working and that wife is feeling lonely and all by herself and she's watching your Instagram where y'all going to breakfast together and lunch together and spending time together and she's saying, I wish I had a husband over the money that loved me and that I spent time with. All of us have something missing in our life that is not comparable to what others may have. And that's why I don't spend my life trying to compare myself to others who are lacking just as much as I'm lacking, just not in the same area. That's why I spend my life saying, God, I want you to see me. God, I want you to hear me. God, I want to be connected to you. Why? Because, God, I give you praise for who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do. Stand with me. I'll never forget when Abigail came to us. I think she was a little nervous. I tell when Abigail, my daughter Abigail, when she gets nervous, she gets feisty. Gets that from her mama. She came to us and said, Dad, I don't want to go back to college. I don't think college is for me. You know a dad, I'm like, well, baby, you need college. It's, it's good for your future. She said, Dad, I know what you're going to say, but she said, Dad, I'm called to be a praise and worship leader. That's what I want to do. And she said, Dad, I want to go do an internship somewhere that I can learn and actually get hands-on experience, not just classroom experience. I want to get hands-on experience. I found a church in Oklahoma City. They've got a great internship, and that's where I want to go. She, she was afraid that I would compare her to others that maybe went to college. And I said, baby, I don't care what you do as long as you do God's will. And if God's will for you to do an internship, I am all for that, baby dogs. You go do what you are called to do. This last weekend, we were in Tulsa. My daughter, Avery, gets mad at me. Up, She's up in the room. I keep telling her, shut up. She says, I say Tulsa with a T. Does it sound like I'm saying that? Well, forget you. Who asked you anyway? <laughs> it's Tulsa. But we went down this weekend to Tulsa. And Victory Church down there was having a, a young adults gathering. They had invited my daughter and my son to come and be a part of the praise team. And my daughter's up there singing. I was blown away how she has grown and matured. I mean, she was rocking it. Boy, it was, it was phenomenal. See, others may say, well, she should go to college. Don't tell me what she should have done. Because I can see what God's done in her. And how God's using her.
Stop comparing yourself. I know. I've lived a life like that. But it gets you nowhere. In fact, I, I want you to do me a favor right now. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I am not comparing to you anymore. See, the Bible says first, the natural. Now, you don't need to explain that you're not comparing yourself to them. Uh, somebody's around and went, I'm not comparing you anymore. Really, I've not been comparing you anyway. How do you think you just made them feel? You're a loser. I will say there are, there are some healthy comparisons sometimes. And let me tell you what I mean. I'm in a room, me and my wife this week, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we were the oldest ones there. In fact, everybody in the room were probably early 20s. Places packed. And they were praising God. Three and a half hours. There were no chairs. Now, me, three and a half hours of praising God, I was trying to compare myself to the way they danced. I didn't feel my legs after the first hour. They're just jelly. But here's what blew my mind. Most teen or most 20-year-old teenagers, 20-year-olds, on Friday night, they're out partying, they're out having fun, they're out doing other things. These teenagers, these 20-year-olds, are at a three-and-a-half-hour praise night glorifying God's name. And I looked at the church today and said, we got a lot of catching up to do. We'll find every reason not to be in the house of the Lord. We'll find every reason why we shouldn't be at church. We'll find, we'll, i got to hang down. Listen, I was sick today. I was not going to be here. I'm, I'm not feeling the best right now. They said the corona should go away by tomorrow. <laughs> but we should find every reason to be in the presence of God. I want you to bow your head close your eyes. No one's looking around, just you, me, and the Lord. If you're struggling with comparison, comparing yourself to others, I want you to raise your hand right now. Yes. Yes. Lord, I pray over every hand that is raised that, Lord, this OCD, this obsessive comparison disorder that has found its way into your children, I pray today, Lord, it be broken in the name of Jesus Christ, broken by your mighty power, broken by your love and your grace. The Lord, I am not called to be anybody else but who you've called me to be. I've not, I've not been called to look like anybody else or sound like anybody else. I've been called to be who I am. God, the only thing I compare myself to and the only thing they should compare themselves to is your will and your purpose for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you look at me real quick before I ask this last I'll never forget one day going to a conference. The guy asked my father, he said, is your son here? And I, he said, yes. He said, can you bring your son to me? The pastor is soon, is late, he just passed not too long ago. I went down to him. My father said, John, this pastor wants to meet you and talk to you real quick. And he said to me, he said, John, the Lord told me to tell you, put your own trumpet to your own mouth and blow your own sound. Now, I knew what he was saying. John, you got a dad that's a bishop of a denomination. And you got a dad that is worldwide known. 
And you've got a dad that is a phenomenal preacher. And you've got a dad that is loved and adorned by the world. But John, you're not called to be James Leggett. And if you choose to try to compare yourself to him, you'll always come up short. Not because you're not good enough, but because you're measuring yourself against something you're never called to measure yourself against. That day I changed. Because up to that moment, I'd always try to preach like my dad, act like my dad, look like my dad. And guess what? It wasn't working for me. You put your own trumpet to your own mouth and you make your own sound. Close your eyes and bow your head one more time. One last question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but today you'd like to give your heart and life to Him. He's the Lord of your life. He can change you forever. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or how many mistakes you've made. He loves you. All you've got to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and love. Believe that he is a son of the living God, died on a cross for you, rose on the third day. And confess him, Lord, of your life, and you shall be saved. Nowhere in that sentence did I say become perfect. Don't make any mistakes. You just accept him today. If you would like to give your heart and life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody? Is there anyone this morning? Well, praise God. I believe all are saved and on their way to heaven. Give God praise today. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.